0: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE.
1: You know, those people that might be listening and thinking, oh, they want to start their own company. Think about the idea of possibly taking a pay cut and working twice as many hours. And that's what being an entrepreneur is all about, is putting in that energy, putting in that time and working really hard and really with no safety net. You want to be an entrepreneur, it's hard work. You know, you see on the internet, they put pictures of guys standing in front of a private jet and a luxury car, and it says, hustle. It's like, yeah, no, I've been hustling for years. It's a lot of work, so.
0: <laughs> in the back of your mind, your dreams should be real, right? Now. Thanks all for tuning in
1: to Dreamcatchers, where we make things happen. Dreamcatchers was formally launched to unlock the hidden potential in successful, successful, self-motivated individuals who desire to take their life's work to the next level but need support to evolve. We are a collective group of professionals with various backgrounds that use our talents to assist those individuals in realizing their wildest dreams by providing education, inspiration, and direction. This podcast is where we share the lessons we've learned along the way to catching our dreams and give you some context around the how and the why
0: to each approach to put you further ahead on the journey to catching your dream. Are you ready? Hey everybody and welcome to the Dreamcatchers podcast. I'm your host Jerome. I've got the pleasure of having John Rennie with me today. How are things over in Raleigh, man? Everything is great here. Thanks. Good to be here. Awesome. Before we dive in, how can listeners catch up with you? Well, you can go to my
1: website. It's johnsrenny.com and you can find uh, links to my book, my podcast, all the stuff I'm doing. It's one way to get there. johnsrenny.com and everything's right there.
0: Awesome. John, we met on LinkedIn. I gave you one of those random messages. You're like, "What is this guy?" want? I'm too busy. <laughs> Fortunately, I saved the interaction. I'm able to get you on the Dreamcatchers podcast. Believe it or not, I was in the electrical industry for from 2005 to 2016. So, did a bunch of different things: transmission line engineering, and the last job was putting overhead power lines underground in neighborhoods. So I'm familiar Mm -hmm. with what you guys are doing. And that was part of the attraction to you and what you do. But, you know, I'm getting ahead of myself. Why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about your background and what you've been working on most recently?
1: Okay, sounds good. So I'm an engineer by training, a mechanical engineer back when I went to school. But uh, I went into the Navy. I was a naval officer on submarines, a nuclear engineer on submarines for five years I served on the USS Tennessee, then I left the military and went into corporate America and I worked for really uh, three different global companies for about 22 years. And then five years ago, I said goodbye to the corporate life and I started my own company, my own manufacturing company. And in between then and there, I've been writing a lot about leadership and leadership issues, and published a book, and I've got uh, two more books coming out as well. So instead of working in the corporate world, I run my own company, my own manufacturing company, and I write books, and I do a lot of public speaking.
0: Whoa, you skipped (laughs) a bunch of stuff, man. So how does one go from a place with all of that command and control and structure to the oblivion of being an entrepreneur?
1: Yeah, so it's a long road. And for me, I spent many years in corporate America, learning business, learning customers, learning products, but always in my heart, kind of wanting to do something on my own. And it took really, for me, a bad taste in my mouth with corporate life and, and this p- corporate politics that I finally, you know, I guess I, I'm, I'm looking at your shirt. I took the red pill and I I went off on my own. <laughs>
0: Beautiful. I think a lot of people get to that place, but they don't actually have the courage to leave. Right. It's like, OK, well, you know, I got this ability of the paycheck. I've got, you know, a defined career path. What am I going to do to make money? Like, Talk to me about like what if you're willing to like, what was that final moment where you're like, I'm done with this. I'm out of here. And were you able to set stuff up before you exited or did you build your plane on the way down?
1: So that's a great question. For me, I was with one corporation, one one global company for about five years, and I was with another one for 15 years. So at this point, you can imagine 20 years in corporate life. And a lot of things just over the time, you know, they kind of kept stripping away the authority. I ran eight different manufacturing plants. You know, over my time, I'd run all these different manufacturing plants. And the more senior I got, it seemed like the less authority I had, you know, they kept taking away and stripping away the authority. And finally, after 20 years, there was some new management team came in. We didn't quite get along. We didn't quite see eye to eye. And the next thing I knew, they decided to replace me with somebody else, somebody that was a friend of the CEO. So I found myself after 20 years of constantly being promoted, constantly moving up the chain, always following the rules, always work hard, keep my nose to the grindstone, You know, do everything right. And I found myself out of work through no fault of my own, just the corporate politics. And, you know, at that point, I kind of reassessed where I was. And I found out that I was really a big fish, right? But I was in my own little pond. Nobody knew me outside of my pond. I hadn't personal branded myself. So nobody knew who I was. I was this very successful person inside the corporate world. But outside the world, nobody knew who I was. I didn't have a website, didn't have a social media presence. And the other thing as I did, is I let my corporate connections I let it kind of go by the wayside because I was successful. I was in my little world. There's no way I'm ever going to get fired or let go or whatever. Yeah, I'm going to go all the way to the top, right? So I found myself saying, wow, I didn't do a good enough job promoting myself, you know, keeping my connections fresh. So I, I was looking for an opportunity. And what did I find myself doing? I found myself back into the corporate world. I, I, I took a job with one of my competitors and I was only with that job for three years. Actually, I was only there about six months and I realized I am done. I am done completely. With. So it was the same. I went to another company and it was the same soulless, you know, no energy, just follow the rules. And, you know, I realized at that point I was done and I started developing a business plan and sought funding for our idea to break away for good from the corporate world and start our own company and that's what we did i was with that other company about 3 years and then we launched this company and me and two good friends we started our own business and we we all left corporate life together and started our own company
0: so whoa this is awesome so were those the only two guys that showed up to help you along the way or were there other people who came into the fold to make this thing Transition from, hey, we got a job to we got a company.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, so we needed lots of money. So, we found a financial partner. We pitched the idea to it. We actually flew to Vegas and this person flew to Vegas as well. And we pitched the idea in a hotel room on a TV. And he looked at us after the presentation. He said, Yeah, I'll do it. I'll invest the money. And he left the room and we were all just like, Whoa. We went to Shark Tank times a hundred, you know, we walked away with the funding. So it was pretty exciting. So
0: did you guys know him from somewhere? Like, where do you find an angel investor? Talk to me a little bit about that meeting, how they get set up. Give me the skinny, man. Come on.
1: (laughs) So he was somebody that was a supplier to us when we were in the corporate world. And we knew that there was some dissatisfaction with supplying that big company. And he was looking to do things on his own. And we kind of knew that he might be thinking about doing things on his own. And so we pitched the idea of, you know, creating this business, building a manufacturing plant. At the end of the meeting, he said, that's exactly what I want to do. And we all went into business together.
0: Wow. How did you know that he was somebody you would want to be a partner with?
1: I had known him about six years or six or seven years I'd worked with him. And he was a supplier to mine and very good supplier, very high quality product. And he could build the products we needed to really get into this launch in this
0: market. So does he he agrees and does he just write you a check and then like go ahead guys, talk to you later? Or how does that piece of the funding work?
1: Yeah, so I wish it was that easy. We kind of thought we'd get one big fat check too, but he gave it to us over time, over the first two and a half years of the business. And we used that to build the factory, design the products, you know, we had to go to the test lab, we had to test all our products then it's all the marketing, the marketing collateral and building a sales force and yeah so
0: oh. taking everything yeah and you did the whole thing so you built the factory from the beginning or was it an empty building or like you went from dirt
1: so we took an old tobacco processing plant that was built in the 70s and it was derelict and it was probably going to be abandoned or it was abandoned it was probably just going to decay We went in there and just stripped it, including, like, replacing the roof and all new lighting and heating and air conditioning. We brought it up to energy code. So we basically retrofitted an old building that was probably just going to decay and fall apart. And we brought it into a modern, world-class manufacturing plant that, you know, our customers come in and they just, they're blown away how nice it looks and, you know, how efficient we are. And so, yeah, we took an old, an old uh, derelict building and we brought it up to speed. And, yeah, so...
0: That's so exciting, making old new. And so were you guys taking salaries along the way or did you have to get the revenue before you guys could actually take some money out?
1: We started off with big salaries thinking, you know, it's going to go great. (laughs) But then over time, we realized that it's going to take a little bit longer to build this business than we thought. So the power industry is very conservative and a new entrance takes a while to to build that reputation. So we ended up, all of us taking pay cuts and, you know, and getting the cost as low as we could so we could build that runway as long as we could. You know, those people that might be listening and thinking, oh, they want to start their own company. Think about the idea of possibly taking a pay cut and working twice as many hours. And that's what being an entrepreneur is all about, is putting in that energy, putting in that time and working really hard and really with no safety net. You want to be an entrepreneur, it's hard work. You know, you see on the internet, they put pictures of guys standing in front of a private jet and a luxury car. And it says hustle. It's like, yeah, no, I've been hustling for years. It's a lot of work. So.
0: (laughs) I mean, you talk about that, right? Why not just go back and get a cushy corporate job where, you know, you're executive and you're running a plant. Like Mm -hmm. why keep going down the road? I call this the red pill moment because I know there's a specific moment where you're like, I got to keep going. Got
1: it. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 family, right? So my company, our company here is not a company. It is family. The employees here are all dedicated towards the cause. They understand the vision. They want to make a difference in this industry. And we are all in it together. So we celebrate together. We, you know, we cry together when we we lose opportunities. And it's all about being, you know, shoulder to shoulder with the people that I'm working with right now. And I just can't go back to a soulless, lifeless, just gutless corporate environment again. I just can't work in that kind of environment. There's no life. There's no energy. There's no soul. There's no passion. It's just, here's your cubicle. Here's your stapler. Here's your computer. And you know, when we want your opinion, we'll, we'll beat it out of you, right? Or we'll ask you, or they want to ask you. But we have escaped that life and I could never go back to it. I'm thankful for that life because I got a chance to learn my skills and hone my skills and become good at what I do. And all of us came from the corporate world. All of my employees came from big corporations. And we feel like we've escaped, you know, and and I don't think we ever want to go back.
0: What's up, Tribe? It's your host, Jerome. I just want to let you know that we put together a free 15-point checklist for exiting the matrix. Jump on over to dreamshouldbereal.com in order to pick your free copy up. Let's get back to the show. You exited the matrix. I love it. <laughs> John, I'm sure everything's been perfect. The- <laughs> yeah. If you'd be kind enough and just give me maybe three challenges where, you know, you had to overcome them and like what you did to get through them.
1: First one that was a major challenge was the big company I was with there for 15 years and i left and then i went to a competitor for 3 years that company i was with for 15 years decided to sue us when we started to go into business they claimed we were stealing their technology and we we're stealing their people and we got served notice on a lawsuit so imagine being one year into a company you know managing every nickel and dime and then suddenly facing yourself having to go to court to defend what was basically just claims that they made that weren't even true. But, but they were trying to take a $40 billion company and try to crush our little company. So that was one that we faced that we had to overcome. And eventually we did. And, and there was, you know, no problem where, you know, we didn't have to pay anything. Everything was great. So that was good. But they, you know, tried to stop us there. And then the other thing is we made some crappy decisions as a new business. So we made assumptions based on what we thought the market would look like for one particular product. And we spent money, we designed it, we developed it, we tested it. And we realized the economic model was really different for this particular product it was porcelain insulators. And porcelain is sold fairly cheap, but the shipping costs are very high. And so the only way you're successful is by selling entire truckloads. And we were trying to sell by the pallet load and by the box load and the logistics just ate us alive. So we had to really sort of walk away from that business. And we had spent a good amount of money getting into it. So we made some bad decisions. We made that bad decision on products. Everything else kind of went by the plan. But that one product line, we spent a lot of money and we didn't get any return on it. And the thing is, when you start a business, there are going to be those products that just fail. And that, you know, despite all of your best efforts, the economics just don't work. And that was one of them.
0: Yikes! And so, how'd you get through either one of those? I mean, did you just lawyer up? Because I mean, that's a. (laughs) How do you get through the lawsuit, and then how do you get through the product failure? (laughs) When we got served the papers, my first thought was, "All right, well, we're
1: screwed. We're done." (laughs) Like, like, what do I do? How do I? How do I go up against a forty billion dollar company with armies of lawyers? And we did have a corporate attorney that helped us get the company started. And he happened to be visiting the day that we were served. Well, we're screwed. It's over. He looked at it and he goes, no, nah, it's not over. He said, we're going to fight this. I'm like, how? He's like, don't worry about it. And he had a connection with another attorney that he works with, a trial attorney, who turns out to be like the best in the state. And we just had a great attorney. And he went toe to toe with these big corporate attorneys. And we stopped everything. It was really amazing. We were David against Goliath, and it worked. I mean, it it's, doesn't happen that often, but it did in our case. So we were able to to withstand the tide because there were false claims, and we were able to kind of disprove all of them, and, and it worked out. So,
0: yeah. Did you just get out of the porcelain insulator business, or did you change your model where you sell in bulk? Well,
1: If I'm frank, I still got some inventory in the warehouse, so I still sell it when I can. But I'm not reordering anymore, so (laughs) so I'm selling it at a loss. If anybody wants a porcelain insulator, I've got some on sale. So,
0: (laughs) well, I know Dominion's putting them up, so I don't know what be they'll go for, but yes. So, what was your biggest fear in the process, and what'd you do to break through it?
1: You know, I think. One of the fears I had was, you know, I recruited a really good team, a really amazing team. And for me, I was fearful that I would bring people into my world, right, into my dream, into my desire, and then it would fail. It wouldn't it wouldn't you know, we wouldn't make it. You know the statistics for new businesses aren't good, right? So and my biggest fear was that people would quit their jobs, these you know comfortable, high paying jobs. They hitched their wagon to my train and then it would fail. And then I would feel responsible for their careers and what happened to them because they chose to follow me. So I, I still even worry this day about the people that work for me. And the other thing I worry too is like, why would someone leave a giant corporation where they had chances to get education? They had a chance to travel the world. They had a chance to constant promotions to come work for my little business where we were going to, you know, try to change an industry. You know, I worry that people would just say, you know, there's so much more out there. Why would I come work for this guy and his crazy dream? So those are things that I kind of worry about, you know, and the way you overcome those fears is just success, you know, as you keep racking up day after day, week after week, month after month, and and you start achieving those goals and, and you know, the... The fear kind of goes away like wow, I think we're gonna make it. I think I think this is this is real. This is successful. I mean, this year we're up thirty-three percent from last year. We keep growing. Every month we're growing, every day we're growing. And my team sees it and there's a confidence level and there's an excitement level. It's like, wow, we're really making our dent in the universe. So uh yeah, it's it's fun. Yeah.
0: And I feel like you gotta write a book about this, man. <laughs>
1: That's going to be next. That's after I finish the next two projects. I have an idea for a book on just starting up a company and the the fun and the challenge. It's a roller coaster. Everybody says it's a roller coaster. It's a roller coaster of emotions. So
0: yeah, yeah, it's like watching a two year old. It's like everything's great and they're smiling, and then the whole world's falling down. Yes. It's all good again. It's crazy. Yes. So, all right, here's a tough question. Yes. Was there a point when everything was on the line? I mean, did you guys hit a rock bottom?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I remember this was actually last year. We were supposed to get some funding from our investor. It was actually our last funding check. And there were different reasons why, but they were delayed. And cash was really, really tight. And I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to make payroll. There was nothing left. I had collected all the money I could from my customers and that was just not good. And then it was my wife's birthday, and we were going on vacation for a week. And I was in the airport talking with a, one of these, I want to call them payday lenders, but basically a very high interest rate lending company just saying, yes, yes, I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. And uh, I did whatever I could to get enough money in the bank to make payroll and they transferred the money, we made payroll, and I was on vacation, I saw the money went in the bank, and and it's just one of those things like, you know, I said to myself, I don't know if I could do that again, you know, thankfully, I've never had to do that again, but it's one of those things where, like, who can give me money, you know, I need, I just need money to get through, because I know I know I've got cash coming, but I just don't have any right now. So it's really one of those. And I think that's the one thing, you know, if you start a business, cash is king and and people tell you that, but you don't realize it until you actually physically operate your own business. I mean, I literally look at my bank account first thing every morning and the last thing before I leave every single day. So uh, now maybe the point where I get to be, uh, you know, when I'm over 100 million in sales, I won't be doing that. But uh, for right now, I'm still looking at my bank account every day.
0: Yeah. Money's like air. It, yeah. When you got it, okay, it's all good. When, when you yeah. don't have air or money, it becomes yeah. extremely important pretty quick. John, yeah. did you pay that week when you, you took the payday loan? <laughs> I didn't,
1: but I eventually did. Yeah. In fact, our, our uh, partners, we've had a few times where we didn't take paychecks uh, to make sure everybody else got paid, but yeah. we've, we've been able to make, make that back up again. So
0: yeah. Yeah. I I asked it. I mean, we hadn't talked about it before, but I knew it was in your character that you make sure that your employees get paid. But, you know, sometimes as an owner, you don't get paid and that's okay.
1: Yeah, that's what you do. And and you got to do whatever it takes. You know, you got to lead from the front. And I believe in that as far as a leader is concerned. And I think hopefully my employees see that, that we do our best to make sure that they're taken care of
0: you're very transparent about it here a lot of people will hide that type of stuff and say they haven't been to those points but you know i appreciate your authenticity for sure what's been the reward for fighting through all these challenges and riding this wild roller coaster
1: <laughs> you know i would say this we still haven't broken broken loose we're not a success story yet but we are certainly on our way to get there so fame and fortune is not something that has happened yet but what i would tell you this is standing shoulder to shoulder with people that you absolutely love to be around and winning and beating the big corporations and taking contracts away from them and growing your market share into double digits and basically making a few people nervous in the industry and doing with people I love to be around, that's been my reward. I've had so much fun being with this crew, doing the things that we're doing, making our dent in the universe. It's been a blast. I would do it all over again and even face the same worries, concerns, problems as, as I have, because I think the rewards have been, it's been phenomenal. We just have a great crew, and we love each other, and it's a family. I mean, it's our family against the world. And if you've never been in a situation like that, I highly encourage it. It's fun to be part of a team like this.
0: Without question. And so you talked about the attorneys dropping the papers on you guys, trying to make sure your business doesn't actually get off the ground. But was there a point when people tried to pull you back into the old world? I mean, did the headhunters call the former company say, hey, John, I got this opportunity?
1: Yeah, I get that all the time. So and are there moments of weakness where you look at that salary and you're like, well, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, there's been those moments of weakness where you think, you know, I could just go to a safe, comfortable corporate job where, you know, I probably can ride out my my years that's the other thing too is i'm i'm fifty three years old, so you know most people start companies when they're young and when they you know and they have all this enthusiasm and they don't really yet know about the world and they have an unrealistic view on what it's like to start a company we we sort of had a realistic view and it's been even tougher than that. No, I think for me it's been the rewards are so great that there's no way that you could get me back into corporate life again it would take a lot to get me to go back. I would have to have a lot of freedoms if, if I did it. So.
0: Got it. Once you taste freedom, it's really hard to live. <laughs> it's so true. You know, the thing I like to say to people is like, I don't need to make as much money as I did before because I'm happier with my life. Like I, yeah, it's just yeah. a totally different transition. And then when you add in that, you know, I spend most of my time in real estate, you know, we just get taxed differently. So it's, it's very different. So. What's the biggest difference between your approach to life now and before you exited the matrix?
1: I think you you hit it. Freedom is, is something that I feel. I just feel like I can do what I want to do, how I want to do it. One of the problems I had in corporate America was, especially as a leader in corporate America, is I had to do what the big bosses told me to do. But sometimes there were things you didn't believe in, and you still had to implement them. You know, like, for example, one year it was like, Nobody's getting more than a one percent pay increase, so it's either zero or one percent. And you're like, well, I've got really good people here that you know need more than a one percent pay increase. And I guess I've never had to do that now as my own boss is that I can run the company as I run it. Now, you know it's 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 hard, but the freedom is is worth it. So being able to do treat my employees the way I want to treat them is the reason why I enjoy this life better than the corporate life. It it was, like I said, it was kind of soulless and gutless and lifeless. It was just, it was bad. (laughs) And it was three different companies. I worked for three global companies. So it's not like one, just one bad company. I, I saw a lot of, and a lot of apathetic employees. People just, I'm just here for the paycheck. I'm just here to not get in trouble. I'll do whatever you say. Just, you know, let me go home. And so too many people are living that life, right? Where they're just going to work every day, doing what they're told. They go home, they watch Netflix, they get up and they do it again. There's no life there. It's death. I don't know. I prefer doing what I'm doing. I feel alive. On top of that, I I run a podcast, I write books, I'm doing all this fun stuff. And I never did that in corporate life, you know? So yeah, I love it. (laughs) Never
0: going back. Never going back. So It's interesting. So tell us a little bit about the podcast and tell us a little bit about the books you've read. Sure. I run a
1: podcast called Deep Leadership, where I interview leaders from all different industries, military, civilian, startups, people working in big corporations. So I'm trying to basically learn leadership lessons from them. What makes a great leader, you know, and listen to their stories of leadership stories. So that's been a lot of fun. It's called Deep Leadership. And then the first book I wrote is called I Have the Watch. Becoming a Leader Worth Following is the name of the book. And I share some of my experiences, what it's like to be a naval officer on a nuclear submarine, plus running uh, eight different manufacturing businesses in my career, plus now starting my own business. So some of the leadership lessons that uh, I learned along the way. So that's available on my website. And uh, I've got two, two new books coming out. One's called You Have the Watch, and it's a guided journal on how you can become a better leader. And so that's coming out here by the end of the year and another book, a real big, a bigger book called All in the Same Boat, and it's going to be more stories from the Navy, and I call it more sea stories, so telling you, getting getting you a little bit about, a little more input into what it was like to live on a submarine, to lead on a submarine, and how that affected my ideas on leadership over the years, so that's, that comes out, well, I don't know yet, so we're still working on when that's going to come out, but All in the Same Boat will be available soon, so.
0: I love it, man. I'm gonna have to pick some stuff up, see see what I can pick up from all of this uh, experience. And so let's dive into the final four, John. The first question in the final four is, what are you most grateful for?
1: I would say my wife and family. This is crazy lifestyle. This is different. And they've supported me through the whole thing. So I've got two, uh, College-age boys, uh, and I've got my wife, uh, and she she's basically, I uh, encouraged me down this crazy path. So you know, I mean, it's it's different. Our life is different than when it was in corporate. I mean, when I was in corporate, we would take trips to Hawaii, you know, and she she was required to come with me on some of these trips. And uh, you know we traveled to Europe together, we traveled to china together we We did all these crazy, cool things in corporate life, and those things i don 't have anymore. but I think she sees that i'm i 'm excited and energized, and I love what I do, and she 's supported me through the whole thing and I, the other thing i 'm thankful for is the the team that 's around me and uh, the great people that work in this company that. You know, I say this a lot. I say a ship is nothing without its crew and a company is nothing without its employees. And so the employees here are making peak demand, making
0: our company what it is. I love it. I love it. John, which dream are you most focused on catching next?
1: I think the biggest dream for me is seeing the company we started the next great company in our industry. So people looking back and saying, Peak Demand, that's that's one of the great companies. That is a great company. And I think building a company from scratch that actually becomes you know, a, a great company is my biggest dream right now, is to build this into something that people say, man, that's a great company. That is a really neat company. And people study us and try to figure out how we did it. I, I hope that we can do that someday.
0: I think you're on a great path, and I think you're leading with the right values in order to make sure that you get to that place. What gift are you giving the world
1: so when I started writing, which was probably around six seven years ago, I realized that there's a lot of young leaders out there, you know, a lot of people coming into the workforce, and my biggest thing is I wanted to share with them things I learned. you know what have I learned over the years? What can I teach people to? help them sort of avoid some of the pitfalls and leadership that I see quite a bit. So for me, it's been, uh, my books, the podcast, uh, my blog posts, everything is about creating a world with better bosses. That's my vision for everything I do to write is I want to create a world with better bosses because really, there's a lot of bad bosses out there. Let's, let's be honest, okay? Some people get promoted and they end up in their office and they do emails for the next uh, 10 years. And, uh, you know, they don't get out, they don't get to know other people, they don't treat them with respect. And, and so I want to see a world with better bosses. So that's, that's the purpose for my writing. And for example, I speak for graduate students, different graduate courses. I was just at Duke University two weeks ago talking to their master's in engineering management students and especially talking about them, what it's like to be a young leader in an organization where you might have people working for you that are older and more experienced. How do you deal with that? Which I had to do in the military and as a young leader in business. So I kind of try to share some of the wisdom. Hopefully they'll avoid some of the pitfalls I had in my career.
0: John, I just want to throw some love on you, man. You're, you're a leader after my own heart, even though you're <laughs> bad at me and in the process. I mean, there's just so few people who actually want to put the people first, right? Mm-hmm. They're they're beholden to the shareholders and making sure that they maximize profit to the shareholders. It seems like you guys are playing a longer game and not measuring to the quarter. And for that, you know, I'm grateful because you're a shining example of what companies can be. And you're a great example of what leaders should be. You know, when I built that big division back when I was in corporate America, I, I was leading the same way. And, you know, we had 30% profit margin. It was just amazing, mm-hmm to be able to see what energized, motivated, and an engaged workforce can do and the things that can be accomplished when others think that they can't be done. So kudos to you to staying true to that and Mm -hmm. being the glitch in the matrix, right? You (laughs) believe in doing things just for those sakes and having those convictions and being able to lead with courage from the front, I think is amazing. So thank you so much for being that example.
1: Oh, thanks. Thanks. I think, you know, I think one thing is really true. If you take care of people, they'll take care of customers. You take care of customers, they'll take care of your business. And I've lived by that my whole life. And it's always proven to be true. You know, when I got my MBA years ago, they said the number one goal is shareholder profits. You've got to maximize shareholder value. Well, what they didn't tell you is the way to do it is to take care of your people. They'll take care of customers and they'll take care of the company. And that takes care of the shareholders. So they didn't tell me exactly how to do it, but that's how you do it.
0: Well, I've lived in a world where you do that by cutting people's salaries or <laughs> cutting headcount and doing some other stuff. So there's, there's a lot of ways to get there. It's just a matter of which ones you're willing to institute.
1: Well, one is the long game, as you mentioned, the other one's the short game. And the short game, we have too many short term managers playing short term games. And uh, that's why 70% of employees are disengaged right now in corporate America.
0: Yeah. That's part of it. So the final question is what's the one thing you want people to take away from our conversation? Well,
1: I think you nailed it. I would say this. First of all, starting a business is hard. So if you want to know a little bit about it, reach out to me. We can talk about it. But I'll say this. Leadership is a people business. That's the thing you got to remember. So whether you're a startup, whether you're in corporate America, whether you're You know, just leading your family. Leadership is a people business. You need to know your people. You need to know your teams. You need to know what makes them tick, what motivates them. So if you remember anything else from this, it's leadership is a people business.
0: Beautiful. John, thank you so much for being so generous with your time. I look forward to continuing to build our relationship.
1: I love it. So thanks for having me on. I appreciate it.
0: Thank you for joining the tribe today. We would love to hear from you. Please don't forget to rate, like, and share. Perhaps someone you know could benefit from what we've discussed. Until the next time, remember that your dreams should be real.